Monday, Vavadar Aleph Tavshin Ayin Vav. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. from Yishai Rebo Matzil Oti Kol Yom God is with me each and every day saving me rescuing me welcome one and all to this live edition of the Israel Show thank you so much for joining us my name is Mayor Weingarten we're on the Nachum Siegel Network via NachumSiegel.com or via the Nachum Siegel Network app which is available for free, absolutely free. Download it. And of course, you can listen to us whenever you want. Tell your friends. Please tell your friends. We'd love to have them along as well. They can listen whenever they want on the Nachum Siegel Network app or on NachumSiegel.com via the archives. And uh, you can listen in your car, in your home. Some people I know do it when they're cleaning for Shabbos. You know, it's a little 
a little late, but that's fine. We don't care. Just as long as you tune in, participate, make us a part of your week. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following Jam in the AM, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. And uh, thanks for joining. Thanks for bringing us in to wherever you are. Um, we will be featuring during this show new songs off of a uh, disc that was released in tribute to the great Israeli singer Aleha Shalom Shoshana Damari. Those of you who know Israeli music going back a decade or two or more <laughs> will be familiar with her name. She had a very, very distinctive voice. She was a Taimaniya, and she had a distinctive pronunciation as well. Um, 37, 37 songs that, that were songs that she sang that were associated with her. 37 songs were re-recorded by uh, new Israeli artists young Israeli artists who gave it their own interpretation and we'll be featuring several of them during the show we'll start with uh, this one Mul Har Sinai it's called and uh, it features the young artists Yuval Dor and Roni Ginosar we share it with you here debuting it on the Israel Show my name is Mayor Wangart and you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network Yeah, and they 
בית בזמרון, מלבבות האל של נערי ציון, ורכב ישראל, או שלהבת יה, עיני הנערים, או שלהבת יה, מרעום המנועים, עוד יסופר על זה היום החי, בשועם אל מעמד one of many songs associated with Shoshana Damari as part of a new release that um, debuted last week and we're debuting it for you here today where uh, Shoshana Damari songs are being re-recorded by um, by young Israeli artists giving it their own Touch, spin, sound. The name of the album, by the way, is Lashir Itat, to sing with her, Shoshana Damari. And it has 37 tracks. Wow. Anyway, we'll bring you some today and send you some uh, during the coming weeks as well, the ones that <clears throat> I enjoyed most. Some were disappointing, some were not. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to today's Yoshan, the Nachum Siegel Network. Over the weekend, Israel lost one of its military heroes, Avigdor Bengal, known to all as Yanush, Yanush ben, <coughs> excuse me, Yanush Bengal, passed away on Shabbat, was uh, a retired general from, uh, of the Israeli army, and uh, what most people in Israel remember of him, about him, with which he won his fame and his place in Jewish history, was the battle at the beginning of the Yom Kippur War on top of the Golan Heights against the Syrian army. We'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment, share with you what he did and why he was so appreciated. He was born in uh, 1936 in Lodz. That's in Poland. His name was a Polish name, Janusz, which is a Polish name, Janusz Ludwig Godlust. And uh, when he was three, the Nazis, as we know in 1939, invaded Poland, starting World War II. And his parents managed to run away, save him and his sister and themselves, and they got to Siberia. Now, most people don't want to go to Siberia, but let me tell you, at the beginning of World War II, you were happy if you got to Siberia because it was safe there. Ultimately, there were people who, who made it through the war in Siberia. They were saved by the fact that they were there. At some point during this 
this constant running from Ludge to Siberia, his parents disappeared. They were probably killed or they died along the route. And he's left alone with his sister. Can you imagine two young kids? Well, finally, I'm sure there was a lot, there's a lot to the story, but I don't know it. But finally, we know that these kids got to Iran, Persia, and were brought to Israel with a group of kids known as Yaldei Tehran, kids that got, were saved from the Holocaust and ended up in Tehran, and the Zionist movement in 1943 brought them to Israel. So after all this, you can imagine starting your life now trying to start your life with some normalcy after everything that you've gone through. That's everybody who went through the Holocaust. From 1955, he began his... um, In 1955, he began his military service, making his way up the ranks. And as we mentioned, the the, um, part of his military service that he's best known for is the uh, Yom Kippur War. So let, let's just set the stage. Yom Kippur of 1973, Israel is totally unprepared for war. Their leadership, Golda Meir, Moshe Dayan, are convinced that the Egyptians and the Syrians would never start a war. They're afraid to do so. They learned their lesson in 1967. wasn't that long before that, right? A little more than six years. No way they would try to start up with Israel. Israel in in 73 is much stronger than it was in 67. How dare they, the Arabs, think that they could possibly start with us and get away with it. And so Israel, on the, um, on the coattails of the great victory of 67, developed a yuhara, an ego that said no one can touch us and it was uh, in Israel they call it the concept the conceptia that there won't be a war and sadly and over 2,000 boys later there was a war the Egyptians and the Syrians attacked on Yom Kippur 2pm Israel was not ready and took tremendous losses both on the uh, shores of the Suez Canal and the Sinai and on top of the Golan Heights. Big difference between the two was that the Sinai is a huge desert that separated between Israel and Egypt. And even though Egypt, the Egyptian army, did break through and crossed in massive forces over the Suez Canal into the Sinai, Israel still had a buffer the entire Sinai desert before the Egyptians would be able to really threaten Israel proper, where, where Israel's citizenship is, where the cities and the towns and the people live. On the other hand, the Golan Heights is small. It's very high. It controls all of the Galil. The, the Syrians, if they broke through the Israeli defenses, they could just roll down. Their tanks can just roll down the Golan on the other side and totally wipe out all of northern Israel, Chas 
And so now you have an, an, an insane balance of power. Israel has about 140 tanks. Syria is attacking it with 450 tanks. The Israeli Air Force was not effective for several reasons. One is that both the Egyptians and the Syrians had very very sophisticated Russian land-to-air missiles with which they were able to shoot down the Israeli planes when they had dozens of planes. Israel lost, a trem- I think, 40 aircraft, 40 fighter planes. And the situation, although on the Golan it was more difficult because it's a small buffer, the the length of the Sinai border was much longer and so the Air Force was being torn between these two places. They're far from each other. If only one of these two countries would have started the war, Israel probably would have been able to recover much faster. But two of them at the same time, the forces just were having difficulty keeping keeping what they had, and they didn't. And not only <clears throat> were there not enough forces, but they weren't ready for a war. The forces that were there were not ready. It was chaotic. We'd say a balagan. And what was most important also was to hold the enemy forces back until the reserves, most of the Israeli army is reserves, it's not a standing army, until the reserves were able to come and help. But that would take a few days. Yanush Bengal who passed away this weekend, we're talking about him. He was the commander, the Mahat, Mifaked Khativa, of the tanks that were on top of the Golan. There's a valley through which the Syrians tried to break through into Israel. Hundreds and hundreds of tanks. They believe that they will be able to break through and make it down into the Galil. You can imagine what a disaster that would have been for the Jewish people. And so the brave men of Bengal's force with the really small number of tanks that they had began holding back the Syrian army. And these battles were literally a few tens of meters, a few hundred feet from each other, the tanks were, as they were fighting, shelling each other, massive losses on both sides. The Israelis just kept it up the battle raged on for four days hundreds were killed and by the fifth day the 143 Israeli tanks they started with 143 tanks in the Golan I'm sorry they started with 150 143 of them were destroyed that means Israel was left with only seven tanks. Seven tanks stood between 
the Syrian army and northern Israel. The Syrians took tremendous losses as well. The Syrians lost 500 tanks. Or thereabouts. And with the seven tanks that are left, the Israelis feel like they can't continue, but they must. And they know why they must. Because they know that if their line of the seven tanks falls, the people at home, the people behind them, the people in the Galil are done. And so they continue to battle. And suddenly, on that fifth day, the Syrians turn around and retreat. The Syrians did not realize that Israel was down to the last seven tanks in that area. Had they realized that, they probably would have pushed forward. And we thank the one above. It is a a mystery in military history. There's a, a, a dispute between military historians. Why did the Syrians turn back? They didn't realize that there were so few tanks or they didn't have a plan or whatever. I've heard many different theories. And ultimately, those of us who are believers believe that God saved us. Rabim biyad me'atim, tmeim biyad tahorim, rushaim biyad tzadikim. Bayamim ha'hem bazman hazeh. The person uh, on the front lines with the tanks who is doing the fighting, his name is Avigdor Kahalani, a huge hero of Israel. The, his commander, the one who kept things going, the one who gave orders to the different tanks to move from place to place. We lost him to cancer this past weekend. His name was Janusz Avigdor Ben Gal. We remember him, Yehizichor Baruch, and we should remember all of those who have done so much for our safety, for the safety and continued existence of the land of Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here is another from the new album in tribute to Shoshana Darmari's music, Lashir Ita is the name of the album. This is Hain Efshar, a classic of Israeli music. This is brought to you by Maor Ashuel. Stay tuned. <laughs> השלכת נושב כבר הסתיו, האבק בדרכים את שקר, והיום רק אלייך נשרף, וחולם על פגישה רחוקה. הן אפשר כי עוד ערב יבוא, והשער יחוק לו דומם, ועינייך יהיו כותבות. כמו אין מלחמה בעולם, אין אפשר, אין אפשר, 
שיהיה זה פשוט כבר מחר. אין אפשר ובג'יפ שעבר, שגו בחורים כי נגמר. אין אפשר, אין אפשר, שיהיה זה פשוט כבר אפשר כי חדרך יעצור, נחכה בחברון קירותיו, וקורא הוא לשנינו לשוב, מקרבות, מדרכים ומפתר. אין אפשר כי פתאום ניפגש, במשלט או בדרך עפר. אין אפשר בין עשן ובין אש, גם לחלום שהכל כבר נגמר. אין אפשר, אין אפשר, שיהיה זה פשוט כבר מחר. אין אפשר ובג'יפ שעבר, שגו בחורים כי נגמר. אין אפשר, אין אפשר, שיהיה זה פשוט כבר מחר. אין אפשר, אין אפשר, שיהיה זה פשוט כבר Recreating the uh, Shoshana Damari classic, Hen Efshar, that was Maor Ashuel, right here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, what can I say? Today's a sad day in Israel. Some say it's a happy day. I don't think anybody thinks it's really just a happy day. There are those who find positive in the events of the day, but I find it difficult to find anything positive. For the first time in the history of the State of Israel, a former prime minister is beginning a prison sentence. Ehud Olmert, former prime minister, former mayor of Jerusalem, cabinet minister, member of Knesset, who led a totally corrupt political life, was finally brought down and will now serve not even such a long time in prison. I mean, for a guy like him, probably every day is difficult. I believe it's a year and a half or a year and eight months or something like that. What's amazing about Ehud Olmert is that he doesn't seem to have any regrets. He still doesn't think he did anything wrong. 
And throughout the years, he went from one court case to another, from one court case to another. And yet, he got out of them all. And you're talking about many going back a long time, years and years and years. And people say, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. How could it be if he's so straight as he claims he is, if he never took any bribes? How could it be that there, there's always something, there's always some nastiness involved where he ends up in court and then somehow by the skin of his teeth makes it out? And part of the answer is that those close to him covered for him. And the way he finally got caught was the person closest to him, Shula Zaken, who toward the end already realized that she might get in trouble, recorded him surreptitiously, hidden microphone, in which you hear him talking about giving her money so that she shouldn't talk. You hear him discussing cash coming and going from all different places. You hear him prepping her for testimony. Say that the cash came from here. Say that dear, you took the cash there. And suddenly he is naked. Everything. Everything is out in the open. And he finally gets his due. I think about the words of uh, Yeshayahu as he's describing the, the terribly corrupt society in the land of Israel during the times of the Bait Rishon. We read it in the first and second Perkim in Yeshayahu. Sarayich Sorurim, your rulers have gone off the way, they're rogues. The Chavrei Ganavim, they're cronies of thieves. Kulo Ohev Shochad, every one of them enjoys getting gifts, bribes, Verodev Shalmonim, and greedy for gifts. Yatom Lo Yishpotu, they do not judge the case of the orphan, Veriv Almana Lo Yavalehem. And the widow's cause never reaches them. They don't care about the downtrodden. They don't care about the poor. They don't care about those who are weak in society. They're busy raking in the money. What can we say when a former president of Israel and minister of Israel sits in prison? Moshe Katsav, now a prime minister. We've had various ministers who sat in prison over the time, over the past few decades, from various different parties. And now a Prime Minister. What amazed me was that he released a video this morning with a message to the people of Israel. I'm going to share it with you. In this message, he tells them how you know, maybe I shouldn't share it with you. Maybe it doesn't deserve to be shared. You know, we'll post a link to it on, on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. He, he says that he didn't do anything wrong. But, you know, but he's been tried and been convicted, so he has to go to jail. Of course, that's the law. 
But he really did. How a man can face the cameras and tell the people, I did nothing wrong, when everybody heard the tapes? It's amazing to me how a man can betray the trust. And I'll tell you that Nadav Shragai, who's a, a very well-respected journalist, who lives in Yerushalayim and writes much about Yerushalayim, he posted yesterday on his Facebook page that he worked with Ehud Olmert for many years when he was, when he was mayor. That Ehud Olmert was uh, uh, a journalistic source for him. He was a friend. They believed in the same things. And as the Oslo process continued and got stronger, their cooperation got stronger against the Oslo process, helping those who were against it, pushing for more buildings in the areas around Harchoma and in other places which were not in the consensus necessarily. All the time he led those who believed that Yerushalayim must remain a united city, the undivided capital of Israel. He said so at countless rallies. And yet, writes Nadav Shragai, and yet, as Prime Minister, he made a proposal to Abu Mazen which would divide Yerushalayim. The amazing thing is, Abu Mazen didn't approve, didn't accept, yet again, the Palestinian Arabs don't accept the best deal they can get. But Nadav Shragai points out something amazing. Towards the end of his tenure of, as mayor, when he was going to go into the government, going up to the national level, he told Shragai, Nadav Shragai, the journalist, as follows. Now, this isn't an exact quote. Nadav Shragai is saying this is the, the basics of what he said. In order to reach the top, he says, Omert, in order to win elections and to become the ruling party, you need to show a right-wing, politically right-wing facade. A nationalistic facade. That's the people. That's who you have to talk to. Those are the votes that you need to court. But, once you make it, once you have been elected, then you see a new reality. A totally new reality, and you understand that you must behave, you must act differently. Now, that's where a guy says, and I said, really? Is that the way it is? And Omer answered, yes. Absolutely. Shragai points out that when a person betrays the trust, betrays his word, the word that he gave to the people who elected him, betrays the public trust, is ready to turn his back on all his promises, then then you're clearly dealing with a person that would have no compunction, no problem of taking bribes, of being corrupt. There is something very basically corrupt in somebody who says, very upfront, in order to get elected, I'm going to make believe I'm, 
a right-wing nationalist because that's what I need to get the votes. But right after that, when I get into power, it'll be something else. That's the Ehud Olmert, sadly, who many on the left still like because he became a leftist. And they're giving him quite an easy pass. Yeah, of course, they're covering it, but not nearly as much as they were covered Moshe Katsav. Of course, they have excuses for that. Not quite as much. It is a sad day. In day that we can quote those words in Yeshayahu and apply it to the modern state of Israel, that's a sad day in our history. Why do some think it's happy? Because they say, you see, Israel's a true democracy. The law applies to everyone. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's true. That at the end, when there's no choice, the law applies to everyone. But he was that close from getting away with it all. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here's another cut from uh, the new album, Lashir Ita, Songs of Shoshana Damari, remade with modern Israeli artists. This is an a cappella version of the song Shnei Shoshanim, Quinta Vachetzi. We've played them before. They're a great Israeli a cappella group. Watch that name. Quinta Vachetzi, I think is the way you pronounce it. Here they are with Shnei Shoshanim. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Shnei Shoshanim, Quinta Vachetzi, off of the brand new album, Lashir Ita, remakes of Shoshana Damari's classics. 37 songs on that album, 37 songs. Um, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're going to post, uh, by the way, in, in a bit, uh, after the show, a link to the album's page. I believe it's part of Ynet. To in in conjunction with Linktone and Reshet Gimel, all the songs are there. You can there's links, there's one page, and all the songs you can listen to them one after the other. They have all the pictures of the artists, names of the songs, and you can listen to the entire album if you wish to or choose particular songs. Um, one other point I should have made when I spoke about Janusz Bengal. Allah shalom. And uh, I believe that it escaped me, my uh, memory at that moment. This, this place, this big valley that we were discussing where these huge f- fights took place, these tank battles, um, got the name after the war of Emek Habacha, the Valley of Tears, based on the words from Lachadodi, Rav Lachem Shevet Be'emek Habacha. And um, it is a place that if you are up in the Golan Heights touring, I would highly recommend that you go. It's a bit far out because it's close, obviously, to the Syrian border. But it is a quite amazing place. You'll, you'll get the whole feel of this story, of where it transpired and how it transpired. Since then, they've also put up several memorials for those who were killed in Emek HaBachad. It's a, an audio visual presentation nearby that you could see the story also and uh, I want to recommend if you uh, are in Israel, if you're going up to the Golan which I think you should do, everybody should do um, that you visit Emek Habacha The Israel Show is very proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh an organization that provides a limb with various different means of uh, uh, various different means of help to make your aliyah as successful as possible. They provide financial aid if you need, employment resources if you're looking for a job, assistance with the government absorption process, and community-based guidance and support. Go on to their website. That's a great place to start. Go on to their website. No commitment. No commitment at all. Just look what, look what's happening. Look what they have to offer. Look, what, look and see what others have done through Nefesh Benefesh, made Aliyah. Probably even friends and neighbors of yours. And during the month of March, they're going to have quite a number of uh, Aliyah uh, expos in the United States. So take a look when there's going to be one in your area and give them a visit as well. It's www.nbnnefeshbenefeshnbn.org.il www.nbn.org.il And here's a favorite. Rami Kleinstein, Matanot Ktanot. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yom Shishi, Noshem et Avir, 
Kleinstein Matanot Ktanot. It's a, it's quickly becoming a favorite and a classic almost um, in Israel and here as well. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Last week we shared with you the uh, situation with Israeli uh, host, radio host, Razi Barkai. He has a uh, daily two-hour 
political current events talk show on Galei Tzahal, the Israel Army Radio. And I believe I told you already last week that don't shouldn't be fooled by that. Israel Army Radio is just like any other radio station. They have no... Uh, no particular affinity to the army. Yes, they are they are staffed in part by army people, but um, the the shows, the ideas, the philosophies that one hears from the Galit Sahal news people and talk people <clears throat> are far from being loyal necessarily to the army. Razi Barkai is without a doubt. I don't think there's a there's a sane person who would deny that he's a leftist. And he uses the two hours that he has on Israel Army Radio, which is funded by the Israeli taxpayer, to skew the news to the left. Oh, all the all the people who are who are on the left will say, No, no, it's not so. He's he's Yes, he might be on the left, but he doesn't. That doesn't show in his programming. No, he's very straightforward and he's very honest and he's in the middle. Oh, that's just a bunch of baloney. Anyway, he got into big trouble last week because of uh, the following thing that he said. כדי שגופות היקרים שלהם יגיעו. מהבחינה הזאת אתה יכול... מבחינת הרגשות של המשפחות, גלעד, עזוב, מבחינת ההרגשה של המשפחות... אוי אוי אוי, אני חשבתי שתשאל אותי אם הייתי תומך בהחזקת גופתו של ברוך גולדשטיין עד שהתחייבו שההלוויה שלו לא תלווה ב... לא, עזוב אותי מבר גולדשטיין, אנחנו מדברים על הרגשת המשפחות וכמה זה מועיל כדי לעצור, גלעד. with Razi Barkai interviewing the Minister of Internal Security, Gilad Erdan, and, and notice, by the way, how he refers to him as Gilad, with, with no respect, not Mr. Secretary, Adonia Sar, Mar, even Mar Erdan, Gilad, like, you know, it's his best friend from next door. The issue is that the Israeli government decided in certain cases to... hold on to the bodies of terrorists that were killed in the midst of a terrorist act, not to allow the bodies to be buried until they get a commitment from the family that the burial will be small, it won't become a pro-terrorism rally, which many of these funerals have become. And so Razi Barkai, in an insane moral equivalence, says, imagine... Imagine how the mothers feel. Imagine, we know how mothers feel when, when they don't ha- get their bodies back. And look, for example, at what happened after Tsukaitan, where the body of um, two bodies, Hadar Golden, oh gosh, the other name escapes me again, Shaul, I can't find it at this moment, so you have to uh, forgive me. Aron Shaul, Aron Shaul, thank you. The bodies of Aron Shaul and Hadar Golden, I have not yet been returned. The families suffer terribly. And this Razi Barkai is comparing that, the Hamas holding on to those bodies with the absolute intent of inflicting pain on Israel and on getting public pressure in Israel 
to push the government to get the bodies back, knowing that they would trade them for hundreds and hundreds of, of um, Hamas prisoners. He's comparing that, the pain of the mother, with the pain of the mother of the Palestinian kid whose body is being held until the family agrees to have a small funeral so that the funeral doesn't turn into a terrorist campaign, a terrorist rally. The mother of a terrorist who was shot admits doing a terrorist act. The mother who in most cases gets up and says, my son is a martyr, my son is a shaheed, and she's proud of him. And this Razi Barkai, who is still to this very moment today on the radio in Israel, on the Israeli army radio, funded by the Israeli taxpayer, by the, by the budget of the Department of Defense in Israel, gets to say that. Now, we also played for you last week the confrontation between Hadar Golden's father, Professor Simcha Golden and Razi Barkai, in which Simcha Golden says to him, I can't believe you're saying this. And Barkai keeps at it. He keeps at it. He keeps digging in deeper. He's saying, I'm not comparing the cases. I'm not comparing the kids. I'm not comparing the... I'm only comparing the pain of the mothers. And he says, how could you compare it? There's no comparison between the pain of the mothers. There isn't. This is a mother who has no clue when she'll ever get her son back, if ever, the, the body of her son, because she knows it's in the hands of an inhumane group, the Hamas, who will cynically use that body for any purpose that they can, versus the mother of the Palestinian Arab terrorist, whose body is in the hands of the Israeli government, who is all too happy, unfortunately, to release the body, and all they ask for is an assurance from the family that the funeral will not turn into a public rally. You can compare the pain? Well, he never backed down. Over the weekend, Dalit Sahal announced that his two-hour show is now going to be cut to a one-hour show. And the other hour is going to be hosted by, yes, shockingly, I think for the first time in Galitzal, a right-wing, someone who is identified as a right-wing nationalist uh, uh, host, someone who I have tremendous respect for. His name is R.L. Segal. He's a great journalist. He's, he's a very good writer. I listen to podcasts of his shows uh, on um, Galay Israel quite often. Very smart, very well-read, very, very knowledgeable. And he's a right-winger. He's not a crazy right-winger, by the way. And he is a kipastruga. And all heck broke loose in Israel amongst the elites on the left. Oh my God, how could they do this? How could they take Razi Barkai and cut him down? Why should the man have a two-hour show in which he espouses his craziness? Why shouldn't there be a little bit more balance? Because as you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've said this many times, the left is for freedom of speech as long as you say what I want you to say. Well, I want to play for you what Razi Barkai said when he opened his show earlier today. Uh, yesterday, I'm sorry, Sunday. They, they're, they're, they work on Sunday, remember? You would think he would apologize. He would retract his statement. Well, here's what he says. He says he addresses himself to the bereaved families. Don't forget, he compared 
the bereaved parents, Jewish parents had bereaved parents of a Palestinian terrorist. And he addressed himself to bereaved Jewish parents and he says, I, I embrace you no matter who you are, no matter what part of the political spectrum you're on. He says, bereavement for me is not just a speech on Memorial Day. And I will add that the reason he's saying that is because he lost his brother in the war, in a war in Israel. So he is also part of the bereaved family of Israel. Then he says, whoever was hurt, I'm sad, I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry, I'm sad that you were hurt. Aval and yet I can't do I, I can't lie to myself I can't be untruthful to myself and say that I'm retracting no, he says I'm not retracting the bereavement is the same here and on the other side of the fence meaning in the Arabs the feelings of the bereaved parents here and there can't be measured differently and as if that's not enough, he says, with a wink to Hadar's parents, Hadar Golden's parents, Simcha Golden, who, who had it out with him just last week, he says, and anyone who wants to take this to some other place, like some of you have done, as if I am not comparing the, the parents' feelings, but I'm comparing between the soldiers, or that in some way I'm understanding or justifying terror, if you take it there, then you're doing so on your own responsibility, umitoch mini'im ra'elev, and from evil intentions. That's amazing. That's amazing that he would say that. How could you say that to the families? That they're taking it to that place with evil intentions. Here's the, here's the piece. הערה אחת אני מבקש לומר למשפחות השכולות. אני מחבק את כולכן בלי הבדלי צבע ופוליטיקה. השכול בשבילי הוא לא עוד נאום ביום הזיכרון. מי מכם שנפגע, אני מצטער. אבל אני לא יכול לעשות שקר בנפשי ולהגיד לכם שאני חוזר בי. השכול הוא שכול, גם כאן וגם מעבר לגדר. רגשות של הורים שכולים, כאן ושם, לא ניתנים למדידה. מי שרוצה לקחת את זה, כמו שעשו חלק מכם ממקומות אחרים, כאילו אני משווה בין החיילים שלנו למחבלים שלהם, כאילו אני מצדיק או לפחות מבין מעשי טרור, מי מכם שלוקח את זה לשם, עושה את זה על אחריותו בלבד, ומתוך מניעים רעי לב. Two hour until now, even a one hour daily political topical talk show in Israel on public radio yet is beyond my comprehension. Okay, we are way over time, so we're going to close out with uh, Bat Ella Birnbaum and her song Hallelujah. Not before we say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your Facebook likes and comments. Please. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We're going to be posting later in the day links to all the songs we played and the uh, stories we spoke about. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. 
followed by headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 